This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. All right, Brianne. Well, I can't believe it's finally here. It is season two of Tell Me This. I am so excited to be back. Um, I am your co-host. Yes, a co-host this year, uh, Carrie Borkowski, and I'm with Dr. Brianne Roos. I tell you, Brianne, that never gets old. Welcome. Welcome <laughs> to you. the pod. <laughs> I am so excited to have you, and I know your girls went back to school today. You went back to school today. How does it feel? Oh my gosh. It just felt like a little slice of normal, to be honest with you, which feels, that feels a little weird, but just getting everybody up and out this morning and dropping them off at, at school, it would have been normal had I, more normal had I continued on down the road to Loyola myself. I yes. instead came home to teach remotely, but um, still the girls had a good day. I mean, just a different experience, of course, with the masks and the distance, but it was nice to see their friends and their t-shirts and just to be in the physical space, I think was probably one of the best parts for them. So yeah, this is absolutely. an exciting day to do our, <laughs> our episode. Lots of firsts. I feel like we need to have like a first day of podcast picture or something to go yeah. along with first day of school <laughs> picture. So yeah. a, a slice of normal sounds lovely. Our kids um, have not gone back yet. They don't start until September. So we, we we're a little jealous up here in Massachusetts. So <laughs> So we have been, you're right, we've been doing a lot of physical distancing this summer since March with the pandemic, and you and I have been really clear to say that it's physical distancing, not social distancing, right, because we've been trying to stay connected, and this goes along really nicely with the theme of this podcast, which is um, to talk about belonging, building community, listening, and really leaning into conversations to learn from and with each other. And Brian and I are so excited for this season because as you ho hopefully heard in the trailer, if you haven't, go listen to that trailer. It's only 10 minutes long. This season, we're actually going to have a lot more interviews. I got some great feedback, Brianne, last, last season from folks when I had a chance. Actually, you were one of those folks that uh, graciously agreed to be interviewed. We interviewed Dr. Lisa Mitchell, Dr. Beth Cobet, and we just wanted to do more of that. And in particular, we wanted to build on this idea of community by talking to lots of educators really defined broadly, including leaders, teachers, students, families. Um, we have some wellness educators that are gonna come on to really talk about sort of, you know, what was going on in their world before the pandemic and how they've been managing the pandemic and sort of looking into the fall. So in this, se in this season, we'll continue with a mix of storytelling and research. If you remember, I started this podcast partly to honor my grandmother. So don't worry, there'll be lots of uh, Sarah stories this, this season. Um, we'll also add a little bit of research, Brianne and I both um, being part of um, the Ed D at Hopkins, just can't help ourselves, but add a, a bit of empirical research and, and articles that we've been reading or writing ourselves. 
Um, so it'll include those interviews and a touch of research and storytelling. And in this first episode, we had the great pleasure of chatting with Dr. Kristen Barber, who is the executive director of the National Institute for Learning Differences. It's NILD located in Virginia. Um, Brianne and I really have, a, have the, the wonderful ple pleasure, really, Brianne, of, of working with Kristen on another Pat podcast for Learning Educators, and we've had a chance to do some other things. So um, I'd say it was a good first episode interview. What do you think, Brianne? Yeah, it was so nice just to warm up with someone, you know, with whom we're comfortable <laughs> talking about education and learning and belonging. And we yeah. always, we're always, it's always fun too, to, yeah. to chat with Kristen and we learn something. So it was great. Absolutely. And Kristen, as you'll hear in the interview, is always good for a, a few memorable <laughs> words and lists. So, so in today's episode, we will hear from Dr. Barber um, and also an article where I'm excited I learned a new word and maybe there are a lot of really smart people out there listening. So maybe you've already heard of this word, but I read this word metadissonance. So we know metacognition, that notion of reflection and, and sort of thinking about what you're doing or what you're the sort of the state that you're in. Metadissonance is a new word and I'll talk a little bit about that more, but I just love this word and, I'm, and it makes sense, but I had never read about it. Um, and I will say that reading Brene Brown's work and trying to enact some of it in my life has really helped me to use this idea of metadissonance. But again, I just hadn't articulated it. I thought it was just me learning how to reflect, but actually this word in particular is more of a focus and a noticing of discomfort my reaction to that comfort, discomfort, uh, why I was feeling a particular way. And sometimes, you know, I'm still a work in progress, so not always um, changing course before I act on pure emotion. Um, so so more, more on that in Kristen's um, interview and then more on the research later. And so I was trying to think of a story to get us started, Brian, and I'm, I'm not sure that, um, you know, I, I had a, an exact story, but um, when I was thinking about my grandmother, um, I think what she really did in throughout her life is she really taught me to ask questions, uh, to pay attention to the moment, to step outside of any fear, stress, worry, and upset. Um, she wouldn't use this word, but looking back, I think really to interrogate the moment, you know, why are you feeling upset about that? Or, or what is it about the moment that's making you feel that way? And she really had a way of disarming those feelings. Um, she really had this wonderful essence about her where she was able to sit with me and listen to me, notice my feelings, and then ask really good questions that helped me see myself um, and just what might be going on. So it's not so much that I have a story about my grandmother today. It's just sort of the way in which she engaged with me um, when, when she was telling a story or when I was sharing a story or recounting something from the day. So I think that was, I think that is appropriate for the episode that we're going to have with Kristen. And so unless you have a, a last thought, Brianne, I'm going to turn it over to our, our listeners for the interview. What do you think? No, yeah, we're, let's listen to Kristen. All right. So when we come back, we will hear our interview with Dr. Kristen Barber, and I hope you will stick around for season one, sorry, season two, episode one with Dr. Kristen Barber. Stick around for the great conversation. Thanks. All right. So welcome, Kristen and Brianne. This is 
can't believe it feels like a lot has happened since uh, season one ended in the spring. Um, who would have thought, uh, yeah, all of this would happen. So we are in season two. And as Brianne and I have mentioned, season two really is all about bringing the voices of educators, however you define that, leaders, teachers, um, nonprofit leaders who are affiliated with education and really bringing their voices to the airways and hearing about What's it been like being an educator in the midst of the spring crisis of the pandemic? And as we look toward the fall and, and as you, as you know, from listening to this podcast, certainly these interviews are going to be a little bit about belonging. Um, we're also going to tap into this idea of a learning identity and sort of how that may have played into decisions people are making. So yeah. So welcome Brianne um, and Kristen Barber, Dr. Barber, I should say to be official has agreed to come on. And Kristen is the executive director of the National Institute for Learning Development and ILD. She brings so much experience um, to the interview today and the work that she does on topics that range from learning disabilities, dyslexia, to developing students' thinking and really their abilities. Um, Kristen completed her EdD at Johns Hopkins and her research focused on developing educational therapist knowledge, beliefs and practices related to developing a growth mindset in students with learning disabilities. And Kristen, I would imagine that growth mindset has been pretty critical <laughs> during this pandemic. So um, yeah, so the first thing I wanted to ask you before we jump into your work, um, first, thank you so much for being, you know, agreeing to come on. I think the audience knows we've mentioned it before um, that we do some work together outside of this podcast. So it's just great to be on here to have a conversation. So first I wanna check in, Brianna and I wanna check in and just how are you? How's your family holding up? How, how, is, how, how is your daughter doing? Um, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Carrie and Brianne. It's it's really cool to be on this show with you. I've listened to your Tell Me This and just been amazed at the insights that you're able to bring and the connections that you make and the encouragement and hope that you're offering to those who are listening and educators out there. So kudos, well done for with that. Yeah, you know, we're we're holding up pretty well. It's been an interesting and different summer. You know, it's been slower in a lot of ways. In other ways, it's been incredibly fast, but we've tried to be more intentional. You know, I'll give you an example, especially with our daughter, we're watching Star Wars, you know? <laughs> and so I've, I've been getting all kinds of flack from people. Well, how are you watching this? Are you going episodes four, five, and six? Mm. Well, no, we're going episodes, you know, I'm linear sequential. We're going from one to, and that's like the cardinal sin because it ruins everything. You know, it's just not in the right order. But I was sort of thinking back and reflecting, what does it mean to be able to be linear and sort of go with the, this is the way it's supposed to be in mm -hmm. order of things versus that flexibility of, no, we're going to jump around. We're going to consider outside of the box, different ways. And boy, that's, that's been a, a real focus for us this summer as a family and as an organization what do we how do we think differently and go in different directions yeah that's great and I'm I appreciate you noticing that um, you know we're trying to be positive and, and encouraging because that's really I think when Brianne and I sort of started thinking about this season that was what we wanted to do there's so much news out there focusing on the bad parts of this pandemic and let's be honest there's a lot of bad right it's a lot of tough things i'm not going to deny that at the same time as you said kristen there are a lot of people doing really cool creative out of the box flexible adapting sort of things 
And Brianne and I really felt strongly that we wanted to celebrate those folks and hopefully create spaces where we can learn from each other. Um, Cause you're doing cool things and other people are doing cool things in different spaces and perhaps they don't know about it. So um, yeah, thanks. And I'm, I'm not a huge star Wars fan. I hope I don't get hate mail for that, but um, so I, I don't, I'm sort of agnostic in, in, in the way in which you watch them, but, and my kids are a little, I'm looking forward to that day when Colby wants to, to, to watch star Wars. So um, so the other That's question, uh, yeah, the other question I wanted to ask, and I got in a habit of asking this um, last season is, you know, what can you just share just briefly when you think of the word belonging, Kristen, like, what is that? Can you unpack that a little bit? Like, what does it mean to you? It's a loaded question, Carrie, and I have spent a lot of time pondering this. I don't think there's an easy answer. If you had asked me before the pandemic, I would have gone to it's this static participation or identification with these specific groups mm. that I belong in this particular, I belong as an athlete. I was a college athlete. So I, I identify and I belong with athletes. I'm, I'm a mother, you know, I, I would sort of see my identity as, or belonging as the roles that I play, but mm. gosh, since the pandemic, three words come to my mind now, when I think of this concept of belonging, I think that it's dynamic, it's adaptable, and it's intentional because the groups that we're having to, to be a part of, what technology is doing for us, man, if we're not able to shift and, and find new ways of belonging in these new um, platforms that we're communicating with other educators, with students, then, then the old sense of belonging is going to die really quickly. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a feather out of... Uh... Uh, Brene Brown's podcast, whom you know, I absolutely love. And whenever her guests say things like, I've got three words for you, she always pauses and says, wait a second, wait a second. Can you say that again? So our audience gets it. So you need to say those three words again, just for emphasis. I love it. <laughs> Dynamic, adaptable, and intentional yeah. to be able to have this sense of belonging. Love it. Thank you, Kristen. We can all, Brianne, I'm going to toss it over to you, but we can always count on Kristen for those sort of quick <laughs> three words, two words. This happens often. So I knew she'd, she'd bring something to us. So thanks for that, Kristen. Yeah, we didn't even, didn't even prepare that, but we knew it was coming. Nope. That was perfect. Um, so I have to weigh in on the Star Wars conversation. I am not a huge Star Wars fan either, but my husband is, and my younger daughter has gotten into it. And so it's been really fun for them. He's working you know, a lot of hours during this pandemic, but when he's finished late at night, sometimes they'll just sit on the couch, kind of all snuggled in and, and Deirdre, my older daughter and I know if we walk in there and that's on TV, we are not welcome <laughs> and we can go do something else, but they are deeply engrossed in that for, for some time. And nice. Bridget came in, my younger daughter who loves Star Wars, came into my room and, and pulled out scarves and white, all sorts of white clothing and was dressed up and <laughs> uh, yeah, she's, she's really getting into it. So that's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. Um, so definitely dynamic, adaptable, and intentional there. Like they're creating their little own sense of belonging around <laughs> That's right. the Star Wars community. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so Kristen, we have had the opportunity to discuss a different topic related to belonging, but a little bit different, this idea of teacher and learner identities. And we talk about this on a different podcast, which we can plug here. It's called Four Learning Educators. And so we wanted to ask, because we're going to focus a little bit on this, um, this season on Tell Me This. What are your thoughts around teacher and learner identity? What does that look like for you? 
Well, I know now when I come on your podcast to be expecting the challenging questions that are not, <laughs> not um, simplistic, they're sophisticated and difficult to unpack. But, but, you know, thinking about this idea of learner identity, for me, if I had to boil it down to its essence, I would say it's this valuing of being both a novice and an expert and that it's really okay to be both at the same time. Like I see myself as a novice because I, I want to be a lifelong learner. I, I want to continue to have intellectual curiosity with my family, my daughter, my husband, with the people I work with, the students that I'm learning with. Um, I, I want to be challenged to ask the I wonder questions, to not have all the answers. And, and that at times is hard because when you are a, an, a leader in education, in some instances, many often you're expected just to have all the answers. You're supposed to be the sort of stand and deliver of this information. But being able to say, I don't know, but I'm curious and I want to know is a really refreshing place for me to be, kind of a freeing place. But then also valuing that there's expertise that we gain along the way through our experiences, through our conversations with our peers, and through the students that we learn with. Um, and so valuing this, this both and idea of novice and expert to me really, as a lifelong learner, helps to define what is this learner identity. Yeah, that must be love- tricky. Oh, sorry, Brianna, I was going to say, Kristen, that must be tricky um, in your role as a leader of a nonprofit, right? I was thinking like, how do you, how do you sort of wear that sort of identity with like your board, for example, right? Cause I, I, I wonder, I don't know if you have a thought on that, like how that, how that sort of manifests. It's a good question. When I first started in this position, I, I felt like I needed to show the board that I had all the answers to validate their selection in me to lead the organization. Um, but then Building trust, being transparent in my communication with them and saying when I didn't have the answer or owning up to a mistake and saying this is what I've learned and this is what we'll do differently built a new sense of respect for one another between the board and the executive leadership to say, Mm -hmm. you're human. We recognize that you're not going to try and cover up something that's, that's gone wrong, that you will seek answers if you don't know them, that you will build a team, you know, that I don't have to have all of it in place, but that I can surround myself with people who are smarter, brighter um, than I am and can really go get it in a different way than, than I could. I love that because it reminds me back to the, the uh, idea of being wanting to be linear and also being flexible during this pandemic, right? Like it's maybe it's more comfortable to be one and you also have to be the other. And so this novice expert rub, I almost imagine it as like sometimes you feel more one than the other and you have to invite the other in a little bit more. Um, and it probably depends on the context that you're talking about and your degree of experience and comfort with whatever, you know, that topic is. So I think and, that's and a really valuable point- thing. And to your point, Brianne, about that, that flexibility or adaptability between novice and expert, I almost see, I've, I've been doing a lot of teaching this summer online, 
we've had large classes, you know, 40 plus people in our classes. And I almost see this physical relaxation in the, in the students and the participants when I say, I don't have all the answers or here's the mistake I've made or we're in this together. It's like they, they automatically were coming into this new community of belonging, this community of practice together where we're acknowledging that perfection does not have to be the standard that we're, we're trying to achieve. Yeah, it reminds me of a concept Carrie and I have talked about and written about a little bit, this idea of shared vulnerability, right? So you're not entirely comfortable where you are, but, but th having the courage to express that and to share what you do know and then to invite the expertise of others to enrich you know, your knowledge base, that's what it's all about, I think, really at every level, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you people can't see us, but we're all shaking our heads, like <laughs> affirming, right. like that. Yes, that, when you said that, sort of seeing that physical release and like the sort of shoulders dropping a little bit, I couldn't agree with you more. That just we have to be willing to take that first step, right? That's the part that's hard, and I think we need to we can model that for our students, our colleagues, or whatever whomever is in the room. But it can it can be. Um, really tricky. It made me wonder, Kristen, you know, with my question around the board, I was glad to hear you say that it sort of created a, a new sense of respect because I was hopeful that what you might say is this idea that like once you sort of showed, you were willing to show that vulnerability, it actually builds, ironically, it builds more credibility for what you know, right? Because if you're trying to shine one on, right, for lack of a better technical word, if you're trying to sort of pretend that you know something you don't, um, I think you really can do damage to that trust. So I was glad to hear you say that it actually did build a new sense of respect. So thanks. And credibility is a great label to put on it because it, um, yeah, I, credibility says this person can be trusted. This person does have some experience, but this person is willing to say, hey, I don't know. Let's go find it out. Yeah, absolutely. Kristen, will you share a little bit with us about what you were doing before the pandemic? So if you remember those days <laughs> when you could go out without a mask um, and you weren't afraid of large gatherings, um, what was your role, kind of your context? What was kind of your flow professionally? And We, we were in a great groove that had... <laughs> you know, innovation sprinkled on the side, research and development happening here and there sporadically, but we were pretty comfortable. We had budgeted our, you know, our numbers of people that we thought would come for summer training. We had done our marketing, done all the due diligence we were supposed to do for business as usual. And then February, March hit and the, the fruit basket just completely rolled over and every fruit got squished and we're trying to, you know, make wine out of the grapes that got squished, right? So, so we, we were business as usual, feeling pretty confident in ourselves and thinking that we got this summer handled. And then the pandemic hit and we had to really do some, some deep reflective thinking that certainly was time sensitive but that would enable us to nimbly respond to the needs. And that, that was the pressure that we felt. We knew, we knew we wanted to, first of all, we had to decide, did we want to respond? Or did we just cut this summer's losses and say, you know what, it's too overwhelming, it's too traumatic, we don't have enough time. And, and you know, we have, we have hundreds of educators across the US, thousands if you include internationally, that are looking to us to say, what are you providing this summer for continuing education, for 
specialization and working with, with students who learn differently. And so we very, very easily could have sat back and said, you know what? There's just not enough time. We're not going to do it. We're going to stay put. We'll catch you next summer. But so after that decision was made that no, we have an accountability, a responsibility to those that we serve and the mission of the organization, we said, how can we respond timely with, um, with effectiveness to meet the needs of our learners and students. And so that's when we just gathered a team and we said, we need input, we need expertise, we need creativity. How's this gonna impact? Trying to look at it from a multitude of perspectives from the teachers themselves, from the students, the families, just considering all of our stakeholders to make that quick. And we were, we were very clear from the beginning, we're gonna make mistakes. It's not gonna be perfect for our instructors teaching, for our participants responding, but be in, the, be in this mess with us. We invite you to come in and, and let's live life in this mess and see what, what can be accomplished. It sounds neat to, to hear that because uh, I feel like we, we kind of spoke in different at different points during that time, you know, between February and today. Um, our next question, we were thinking about priorities and goals. And as you were just sharing that, it really sounds like you kind of got away from other things and, and had a laser focus on your priorities and goals. And Absolutely. then the execution clearly had to change. But I wonder how if you could just share a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, so we had to triage. We had to look and say, what, what needs to become a priority for us? Um, what kind of time can we take to focus on that? And, and pretty much the business as usual stopped and we just, for about a, about a four and a half, five week period, just went head down focus on what we needed to do to be mobile for the summer. Summer for us started in May and just this week is the last week where we're offering. In fact, I'm teaching a workshop tomorrow and Friday as our last summer workshop. So from May until now, we've been critically focused on supporting the needs of our learners and really intentional about helping our educators feel that they belong in this community of learners through the online formats that we're, we're using. And um, we're, we're pretty excited. We're starting to get the feedback from our participants this summer and um, you know, the word that I would say that keeps rising to the top is gratitude. Our participants are telling us, thank you. Thank you for being present and available to meet my needs. Thank you for recognizing the financial limitations and making the changes so it was easier. And I mean, wow, to, we, we didn't expect that, but to see that gratitude is coming to the top in response to, to the summer is, is really rewarding. That's, that's terrific. I, I, I think we have experienced the same thing in pockets. Mm -hmm. Brianne, wouldn't you agree that there's been just yeah. to, just to hold space <laughs> for all the many things. I mean, you know, all the things that are going on with the racial injustice, the pandemic, um, there's just a lot going on. And so just being able to hold that space, I think people have appreciated. So I wanted to sort of pivot and you started to talk a little bit about it. And remember one of the reasons that Brian and I are, are doing season two in this way is for some learning, right? To sort of collaborate and share and, and really listen and learn from each other. So I, I'm, I'm thinking we're going to be pivoting back to those three words, dynamic, intentional, and, and adaptable in these next series of questions. And as is always the case, or, or I try really hard, we try really hard in this podcast is to link what we're doing with the literature, right? And so I just want to remind the audience that one of the reasons we're going to ask this next question, which is sort of 
what challenge, you know, give us a specific challenge that you have faced in the pandemic and most importantly, how have you worked to overcome it? And the reason, one of the reasons we're doing it this way is there's, there are a couple of researchers out of Stanford, Greg, Wal Greg Walton being one of them who does these wise interventions and it's around building belonging. And what his research has found is that if peers, colleagues, individuals who are sort of viewed as being, you know, like you or similar to you, um, if you hear the story, if you hear from them and specifically hear that they have faced challenges, they have had discomfort, and you hear the story of success and overcoming, it helps to build and cultivate belonging. And so we're really hoping that this season is intentional on sharing knowledge and learning and cultivating a sense of belonging for all of us who are in this space together as educators and leaders and parents and however you identify in that sort of large education space. So um, just wanted to plug that, that there is some intention in the way we're doing this. So Kristen, um, that was all to say, if we would love for you to share, um, it, you can be as specific or as vague as you want, but just a challenge that you have sort of faced at NILD and sort of What's the story and how have you worked to overcome it or, or are overcoming it maybe perhaps? Yeah, so one of our biggest challenges looking at this summer was our courses to become an educational therapist um, historically have been hybrid. So four weeks of online and then a week face-to-face -face residency. Well, guess what? Nobody was coming together face-to-face. -face. I mean, and we would have these residencies all over the U.S. We may have 20 of them in different states. Well, what do we do? How do we bring everybody together so they can practice, so they can collaborate, so that they can have dialogue, so that they can enact these ideas that, that we've been learning during the, the four weeks of online? And really what it boiled down to, Carrie, was is how do we help our instructors and these educators feel like they belong in this class when it wasn't happening face-to-face. -face. I mean, we've been doing this for 40 plus years face-to-face -face, and wow. we have five weeks to figure out how to now do it online. Huge. And not to mention 75% of our budget comes from as a nonprofit comes from these Ooh. summer courses. So there's yeah. like heavy, heavy pressure to see these summer courses happen. So, so you're so right in what Greg Walton is saying about this. One of his greatest needs is this sense of belonging. And so what, and we're still learning. We haven't arrived. We're still working out the kinks. But what we decided to do this summer with was start with our instructors and say, get to know your students in a greater way on what they need, what type of support is needed from technological support. So we did tech checks for hundreds of educators before they even came on to make sure that systems were in place so that they wouldn't have that barrier. And then we said, get to know them. What, learn, what challenges are happening at home? Is there a sick child? Is there a raccoon running across the floor in the <laughs> middle of a session? Truly did happen. You know, oh what's, get to know your, your students. And then, so starting with instructors, being intentional with them to develop a sense of belonging within their individual classes that they were teaching. But then when they were meeting with their students, their, their educators, helping the, the group 
foster a sense of belonging. So we would intentionally, before lunch or after lunch, set time aside and said, let's just come and talk. What's been happening for you? Nice. What's going on in your life? How can we help? What's been a, what's been, you know, we'd come back together on a Monday after the weekend. What was the best thing that happened to you? You know, one lady bought a horse, you know, another said, my husband just got a new job, you know, just sharing life, being in there with them. Um, and you talk about seeing a real change in their willingness to dig in and work hard um, because they knew we cared mm-hmm. and because they were of this community that the affect, the emotion, and the, the willingness to persevere in a really intense course just was amped up. And so that was pretty exciting to see. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And this is what I love about these conversations is because I think for some listeners, hearing that you're a leader of a nonprofit working with educational therapists, parents, and others, it might not be obvious at first for a teacher or a superintendent that how is this going to be of value to me, but just what you just said, like have you've been doing this for 40 years and having to shift on a dime to something. I mean, we could say that about just about every Every. single person (laughs) in this country right now, right? And school districts. And so really listening, I, I wrote down a few takeaways, like being intentional about listening about life, right? Just like tuning into people and taking that time. Um, being dynamic in, in your ability to shift and make those changes that needed to happen and adapting. I love this idea that not only were you shifting and being dynamic, but I, f- I feel like it, perhaps in some of those listening sessions, you were also learning how to do this better on the fly, right? Mm-hmm. So really not just adapting once to that shift, but continuing that improvement. And, and we know, of course, in the literature, that if students and participants feel like they have a voice in the process, it just reinforces that trust and your ability to work with them and, and generate outcomes. So, I mean, you're living, you're living the evidence right now, Kristen. Like. <laughs> we're, li- we're living in the mess, the challenge, as well as the opportunity. Yes. You know, great, right. great good, I believe, is going to come out of the hard. You know, when we're pressed yep. into these corners, we, we've got a choice. We can, we can shrivel and, and go inside ourselves, or we can lift our heads and say, what, what do we need to look at, to consider that can bring us forward into a new place, a better space. And and that's really, as an educational leader, that's really the clarion call that I want to send out to to my colleagues to say, lift our heads. This is hard. We've got a lot of work we have to do racially, from a social justice standpoint, educationally for our students. But we we get the opportunity to reimagine, to re-envision because we've been forced to. Let's take it and run with it and move, move our next generation farther than if this pandemic wouldn't have happened. There can be great good that can come out of this. Kristen, I love that you just really explained, even without using the words, this this idea of being both a novice and an expert again, right? So you are an expert, you probably wouldn't say that, but you have a ton of experience, right? Doing what you do, you've been doing it for so many years and yet a novice also in doing it in this context and in this way. And you chose to just kind of take that expertise and learn and move forward and and grow with that. And I really love that. I also wanted to circle back to something that you said, um, which is that you prioritized your instructors and um, kind of empowering the instructors to then reach the students. And I think there's so much to that. I think we are all just working so tirelessly for our students and that there needs to be attention to the instructors as well. So there's a lot to learn from that. Um, 
Would you mind sharing one or two takeaways that you've learned um, from this crisis mode <laughs> that you might, well, that you will try to use? Yeah, and and maybe before I answer that, I, I want to circle back, Carrie, to, I mean, um, Brianne, to what you said about valuing the instructors first. I think across education, our, our educators can become overlooked in the accountabilities of student learning outcomes and where we need to, to be with that. And if we're not taking care of those who are investing in the students and their learning outcomes, then, then maybe perhaps there's a misalignment. So really caring for them first um, is important. And so some of the key takeaways. Um, and actually, Brianne, I, I think it's either from, from something you've said or, or Carrie, one of, our, one of the, the Johns Hopkins students have said, maybe in, in, a, in a book club that we're doing, it's the yes and. I, have, I, have, I am learning, I have not learned, I am learning that as leaders, you, you've set agendas, you've got topics that you want to talk about, you've got a direction that you're trying to head towards or that you're envisioning. And I have to be willing to say yes and, to, to really um, stop and say yes and, to really affirm what the, what the leaders are bringing back to me and um, let them add that yes and part to it as well. Um, so that's a big takeaway, that I, that I have to be open um, to the feedback, the good, the bad, and the ugly that's coming and see it as, as part of the process. I would also say that the second big takeaway is that change doesn't have to be all bad. Mm -hmm. it, is it can be uncomfortable. It is different, but change can also be good, even if it's stemming from something that's bad. And that's, that's, um, that's a, a concept I'm really spending some time reflecting on. Yeah, we all paused for a minute there to ponder it, but I guess a <laughs> podcast is not a place to, to, have si to promote silence. So... <laughs> We will fill the airways with something as we continue to ponder that. No, I love that. Yes, and um, we have a good colleague who she, she always has a, a good phrase to share with us. So I appreciated you reminding us of that. Um, and I agree the change pieces. I mean, to me, I feel like change is just uncomfortable, right? And we're, we're working so, we often work so hard to get out of that discomfort instead of sort of owning it and, and wrestling with it, right? And I think we're having to wrestle a little bit longer right now because it's big changes we're talking about. So I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad to hear you to talk about change in that way, Kristen. So we're just about out of time. I want to be uh, respectful of the, the 30 minutes that we told you we would take. We could, I think, honestly, and this is no surprise to me, we could sit here and chat about these things for for a long time. So maybe we'll good people, we'll have, good conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we could, we'll have you back for a part two or something. So, honor. um, so you had alluded to it in the beginning when we asked you the first question we asked after we checked in with your family was this conception of, or your idea of belonging. And so we just wanted to circle back, you know, since this is a podcast, um, somewhat focused on this notion of belonging, can you either re-articulate or sort of just remind us like, as we were moving through the pandemic for you, um, how has that idea of belonging, that notion of belonging changed for you? Like how, how is it sort of forever different? I think it's forever different because while technology may allow us to be in real-time connection with this idea of belonging. I always thought I belonged because I was present. I was, I was with my buds. I was with my team. I was with people that, that I connected with. 
but I don't have to be in person to belong. I need to be present and in the moment to belong. And I need to be open to the experiences that are happening, reflect on them, connect with individuals, make that intentional opportunity to listen, um, to perceive, to understand from their perspective, to be empathetic. And all of that to me um, is sort of that wraparound environment of how do we build this sense of belonging? Yeah. Well said. I mean, I just, I love, I mean, I hate the pandemic. Let me just go on the record and say that. (laughs) Yeah. What I do appreciate and I, I, it, that's I'll just leave it at that. What I do appreciate about this pandemic is I think a lot more people are realizing and talking about the value of connection and relationships and belonging within every space that we enter. That this pandemic has pushed us, as you said, Chris, and I love that metaphor of like we've been pressed so hard into a corner that we really cannot ignore anymore that you know, and Brianne, I know you've written about this, like Maslow, Maslow's hierarchy, right? Like yeah. we have got to have that, that, that feeling of belonging before we can do anything else. And I think we have been forced for lack of a better word to create that space. And uh, Kristen, I, I, I have always had so much respect and um, appreciation for you. And I just want to say that like your three words, dynamic, intentional, adaptable, this, your definition of being, you know, a learner, like a learning educator, and this, this, this notion of being both a novice and an expert, this yes and, you demonstrated this through the entire interview. And I just, I very much appreciate that you are a leader um, and an expert in so many ways. And you don't just talk about these things, you live them in such an authentic way. And I think that's what, um, that's why Brianne and I wanted to do this, this season is because there are people doing, they're not just talking about this stuff. Like you're living it. Like you're being your, you're bringing your authentic self into these spaces and you just can't help but build credibility and trust and feelings of belonging to anybody that you connect with. So I just want to thank you for, for this, this conversation and Brianne, it's been great. Um, this is our first one we've done together. So, um, yeah, it's been it's, fun. Thank you. Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. So any brand, any final thoughts before we sign off? No, I'm just, I'm laughing. So I sat down with my notes sheet and I've been furiously taking notes since Kristen started talking and I have circles and arrows kind of connecting all of the things because they all connect. And I love that. It's not just these sort of splintered ideas. It's, um, you know, it all comes together around this sense of belonging and, and this learner and teacher identity. It fits right in there. And so it's super exciting kind of thinking about the whole rest of the season, thinking, wow, like what Carrie invested so much in in season one, I think is going to dovetail really nicely into season two. So this was a really fun and exciting conversation to get us started. So thanks, yeah, Kristen. Th- thanks, Kristen, so much. Thanks for letting me be a part of walking this walk with you as a community. We belong together. We're going to get more people to walk this walk with us. It's awesome. Way to go, ladies. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Well, we're back for season two, episode one. I was just telling Brianna, I need to practice that first. I never thought we'd have a season two. Maybe that's part of the issue. <laughs> but those numbers were getting jumbled in my mouth. So season two, episode one. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Dr. Barber. And if you like that, um, you can expect many, many more. Gosh, Brianna, I don't know about you, but 
I have been overwhelmed with the number of people who have been interested and willing, willing being the key word there to come on the podcast. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And what I love is that they're from such different areas of education. Um, so yeah. we get to learn something new each time. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great. We're really, we're literally building community and learning from each other with all the diversity <laughs> of thought. Sure. So. So from Kristen's interview, I hope, I hope you heard her talk about sort of her notions of belonging and intentionality, and hopefully you picked out those three words or those three phrases that were key to her. And as I re-listened to the interview that Brian and I did, really the conversation with, with Kristen, I came across this article by McFalls and Cobbs Roberts. It was, it's an older one, 2001, called Reducing Resistance to Diversity Through Cognitive Dissonance Instruction Implications for Teacher Ed. Now, on the surface, and if you read the abstract, you'd be like, why in the world did she include this one um, in, the, in the podcast? Perhaps it's not completely related, but I feel like there were pieces of this article that really stuck out to me. Um, this notion of cognitive dissonance comes up a lot, this idea that there is so much rich opportunity and learning in the discomfort or what Piaget calls disequilibrium um, in those learning moments. And so what this article did, as I mentioned in the introduction, was it introduced this word metadissonance. And Brianna, I have to ask, and I'm not an attorney, so I don't follow the rule of asking the question and knowing the answer, but had you heard this word before I brought it up, this idea of metadissonance? No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, okay. we love meta, like you had mentioned, we love metacognition. We love things yeah. meta because it means you're <laughs> reflecting and you're looking at yourself, but I yeah. had not heard it with this. Okay, thing. good. So yeah. see there. So I'm not the only one though. So just to step back a moment, and I think we all know this, but I think this article does a really nice job of articulating it. This idea of cognitive dissonance and, and why it's so important. So I think this is particularly relevant right now, given, gosh, the racial injustice that we're facing in our country and sort of this need to really reflect and also do something about it, right? And so in this, in our work, regardless of where you are sort of on your journey, my guess is you're feeling moments of cognitive dissonance. And what happens sort of cognitively or in your brain is that when you feel these moments of discomfort, your brain can respond in a multitude of ways. One of those is, well, you just discount the conflicting information. So you try to figure out, oh, well, it's, it's not worth anything. So of course, what I'm thinking is right. And that sort of relieves the discomfort. Another thing that you try to do is you find more sources to confirm your original notion. And so, and I know, Brian, you, you've heard this before. It's that idea of confirmation bias, right? We search mm -hmm. around, we search around for the things that sort of confirm what we already believe. And the other thing that your brain often does in a moment of cognitive dissonance is just completely withdraw from the conversation or the practice. And so why am I bringing this up? Well, what the article is speculating is that if things like uh, multicultural education classes and courageous conversations and book clubs and just moments and even in a class where you're trying to sort of get your students to experience a moment of discomfort because that's where the learning happens. If these are your reactions to cognitive dissonance, the article su supposes that that work could be canceled out by your brain, right? Because your brain is automatically looking for something else to confirm itself to, or just to check out. And so the authors introduced this term, metadissonance, and this, it's this idea that what we actually should be working on is this notion of preparing and scaffolding our students, leaders, colleagues, friends to, I, 
embrace this idea of meta dissonance. So what is it? It's this awareness of discomfort, right? So a learner is cognitive, cognitively aware of experiencing mental discomfort due to dissonance. And dissonance and that mental discomfort, I mean, it could run the gamut, right, Brianne? I mean, we're not just talking about really heavy issues like social injustice and pandemic. It could just be, um, I don't know, Brianne doesn't love uh, statistics. <laughs> so maybe during a statistics class, Brianne, you have felt some uh, cognitive dissonance. <laughs> For sure. Every, everyone, every day. That's right. And dare I say, maybe you had wanted to, I don't know, run away from it for a moment. <laughs> Get yes, rid of that. 100%. <laughs> right. And we've all been there and we can all point to topics or issues or books we've read or classes we've had. So I'm not just talking about sort of these extreme cases. And so what does that do? Well, if you can teach and scaffold this idea of meta dissonance, perhaps you can prevent this notion of selective processing. We can encourage critical thinking and we can go a little bit further to cultivate an environment for learning. So, so this idea of bringing attention to this discomfort um, and helping students to notice it and to name it and to be with it um, really could go, you know, a long way to sort of, I don't know, just help us manage that discomfort and maybe uh, lead to, to more learning in the future. So I really appreciated Kristen's point about being intentional, um, being reflective, and sort of when I saw this article, I was like, ah, this is, this is sort of another spin, perhaps taking it, you know, one level further, if you will, or, or in a different way in terms of meta dissonance. So I'll, I'll conclude the, the podcast by saying that first, I wanted to send props to Brianne and Kristen for joining such a great conversation. It was, uh, Brianne, you're right, starting this podcast off with Kristen was a nice way, a uh, nice entry into the podcast. Um, secondly, if you enjoyed the interview with Kristen, I hope you'll join us for future episodes. We have lots more coming. We have a wellness educator, a tech guru, online educators, oh my goodness, a business professor, um, and more. That's probably not a good uh, characterization of Astrid, but that was the, the first <laughs> thing I thought of. Um, then we have a, a chair of a department, um, and the list goes on and on. So. This week, I hope you'll, you will consider this idea of meta dissonance. And what do I mean by that? Well, I hope you'll consider listening and learning and paying attention. And I hope that you will ask yourself what you're feeling, why you're feeling this way, and what it does in terms of how you engage with conversations, whether it's with your neighbor, a stranger at a grocery store, your students, your family. Just give that some thought this week, and I bet you'll learn some interesting things. So... I want to thank everybody for listening, and we are Carrie Borkowski and my co-host, Brianne Roost, and you have been listening to Tell Me This, season two, episode one. There, I got it right that time, Brianne. So yeah. <laughs> we hope you stay safe and stay well, and remember that we are all a work in progress. Thanks for listening. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.